73 down, 292 to go. My name is Chris. This is at a theater near me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Today, I have on Jeff D. Lowe from Lights, Camera, Barstool. We talk all things Spider-Man, No Way Home. After the conversation, I'll also give my review of the worst movie I've seen since I started this podcast, uh, Tyson's Run. But before I go any further, I want to tell you folks about the amazing popcorn at Popped Gourmet Popcorn. Popped has a store in Salem, Massachusetts, but they also have an online store at poppedstores.com. That's P-O-P-P-E-D, stores.com, that has over 100 flavors available. That's over 100 flavors of popcorn. They have a full-time popcorn chef that comes up with new and creative flavors each week. They offer bulk popcorn, corporate gifts, wedding bags, and more. They can do almost anything and any size, and best of all, they can ship anywhere. They sent me over a bunch of flavors to try. I love the salt and vinegar. I also love the Chicago style, but I just broke into the cinnamon bun and the iced gingerbread cookie, and both are fantastic. Look, this is a perfect option for me when I get home from the movies now that concessions month is over. If you go to popstores.com, once again, that's popstores, P-O-P-P-E-D, stores.com, and use the promo code MOVIESWITHCHRIS, you'll save 25% off your entire order. That's MOVIESWITHCHRIS, all one word, C-H-R-I-S. You'll save 25% off. Go check out their flavors right now. Okay, so Jeff and I go over Spider-Man No Way Home. I will say right off the bat, we do give spoilers out. So if you haven't seen the movie, shut the podcast off, go watch it. It's very good. Uh, and then come back. Uh, but obviously, for those of you who have seen it, we talk about the trilogy of Spider-Man movies that Marvel's put out. We talk about um, great superhero casting in general. Also, the experience of watching movies in New York City. Uh, it was a really fun conversation with Jeff. Uh, and here it is. Jeff Lowe from Lights, Camera, Barstool. Also, always check out movierankings.net. Super helpful resource I use constantly to see what is streaming. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining me. Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me. Talking, I, I it's weird talking Spider Man so long after, but I like I, I almost like talking about movies significantly longer after seeing them, especially event movies, um, because I mean I'm a Marvel fan, and you just you you need the come down from like the 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 fun of it, uh, like the the fandom of it to like really have like a critical take on a movie. I um, I mean it's my life is seeing movies. You know, whether it be Quantum Week, I saw movies way after they were they had they had been released, or even in this project now, I'm seeing movies weeks, months after they come out. I kind of like it. Uh, it it kind of gives you a better overview. You're able to read other reviews, able to kind of get a, a pulse on how that movie was perceived by other people. It's just interesting to kind of get a kind of a back end take of it. Um, with this movie, I I really liked it. I thought it was very good. I'm, I'm not a huge Marvel guy. Um, I think this is the best of the trilogy. I'm going to give this a B plus. I really enjoyed this. Um, where does this rank for you with the trilogy? Uh, B plus for me too, if you go by letter, 88 out of 100. Um, I actually, this is actually third out of three for me, but huge but, huge caveat. I have it in 88. Spider-Man Far From Home, I liked a little more, having an 89. And I think Homecoming is the best one out of the three at 90. That's like the most, so the director, John, what, that's like the most John Hughesy of the three. And that's like, that was kind of the point of him, of like these Spider-Man movies that he really, I mean, there are some scenes that are just completely like shot for shot. There's a, there's a scene in Homecoming that's like a shot for shot of Ferris Bueller. And it just, it just, it has the most, like of that era, like the 16 Candles era, the John Hughes era, the Ferris Bueller era, like the like Home Alone, even like like all that stuff, like that era of movies. Like I think Homecoming best encapsulates that. And that is people say it's like, oh, it's more, it's like an Iron Man movie. Yeah, okay, sure, whatever. But like Michael Keaton's amazing in it. So that is my favorite, but we're splitting hairs. That's 90, 89, 88. And I, I, I very much enjoy No Way Home. And as a Marvel fan, maybe it's like my quote unquote favorite because you just have so many nerd moments. But uh, I think, I think that the problem with No Way Home is that it, it, for better or worse, the self-referential stuff or excuse me, the, the nostalgia stuff is a little too much of a crutch for me just by a, a, a little too much. Like it's, it's a little too reliant on, you know, bringing back old characters and like, Oh, here's like this big moment. And that, that for me, 
it took a little it took a little bit away from the story for me. So we can talk spoilers here. I'll give a notice at the top of the show saying we're going to get into spoilers. Um, so yeah, I mean, bringing back uh, Garfield and Maguire uh, was 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 fantastic. I enjoyed it a lot. I've, I watched both those movies. It, it was really fun seeing Tobey Maguire again. Uh, he hasn't acted in almost a decade now. Uh, so that I, I do agree with what you're saying. Is it was certainly a crutch, certainly in the script. Um, I mean, some of the things they're doing. If you really just take a, if you take yourself out of the theater and think about it for a second, it's it's pretty stupid. I mean, they, you know, they're giving each other like, you know, back cracking each other's backs. Like it's, it's silly stuff and, and it's, it's intentionally silly, but for a movie that has such high stakes at times with, you know, Aunt May dying. I mean, there's some pretty serious stuff happening in the Spider-Man ethos. So to have it kind of be, it's silly at times is a little jarring from a tone perspective, but I'd be lying if I said, I just wasn't, I was just really fucking entertained. I mean, oh, it's 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 wildly and wildly entertaining. I think Tom Holland's an amazing Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield clearly is a good Spider-Man, and to, and Peter Parker, he was just in bad movies when he was Spider-Man. And then Tobey Maguire. I mean, there's there's you know you don't have to say much about that. It's 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 insanely entertaining. It's insanely fun. It is, and and honestly, it's not even even just like the backcracking thing, which is such a funny ref, which. Like this thing, like it is very self-referential and it's almost like there's that whole scene where they're on the Statue of Liberty and they're just basically referencing each other's movies. And it's almost fourth wall breaking. Like the back thing is Tobey Maguire hurt his back filming Spider-Man 2. They almost had to or before Spider-Man 2 and they had to replace him. They almost had to replace him with Jake Gyllenhaal. And so in Spider-Man 2, he has like a back problem. But Tobey Maguire actually had a back problem for those who like don't know. So that is like... It's almost like fourth wall breaking references, which are fine. It's a lot of fun, but that is where I'm like, all right, like it, it, it goes on for a little bit where if I'm like critically thinking whatever, but then you're right as a fan, like I'm in a theater in Manhattan with, with a thousand people in the biggest IMAX in the country. It's awesome. Like it's at the same time, like I, I do thoroughly enjoy it. Like it, it was, it was a very fun time start to finish. It, it was, it, it was kind of nonstop. Except for, like you said, there are some serious things. Like there's, there's a, I mean, Aunt May, Marissa Tomei croaking in this movie is like it's, it's a serious moment. And I thought they, they, they did two things which Spider-Man movies are are notoriously bad for, and that is the Uncle Ben, the Uncle Ben dying, um, and then the uh, with great purpose line. And I thought they repurposed both of those very well. Instead of Uncle Ben, it was Aunt May, and. They had uh, the 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 great res- the, the with great purpose comes great responsibility line. I thought the way they did it was actually was pretty good. It was it was done well without it being too corny. Because I tell you what, had that been too corny and stupid, it really could have stuck out like a sore thumb. So well, having Tomei helps. I mean, she's a fantastic actress, obviously. And and that's the I was, I was actually really sad when she died. I mean, I wasn't crying, but I, I was definitely bummed out. I mean, to me, like when I you know after No Way Home, I'm like, all right, you know what I really really want, honestly, is like. Look, I'm not a Marvel guy. Yeah, I, I don't need all this, some of some of the nonsense. With, you know, too much action sometimes in some of these movies, and it's so CGI. It doesn't have a lot of impact for me. Um, so after No Way Home, I'm like, you know what? I would watch. I'd watch like an hour long. You know, an hour of a Spider movie just on like a double date between Zendaya and Tom Holland and Favreau and Tomei. Like that. That those four are so great, and they're so much fun together. I'm like that's all I really need. I don't need him. You know, fighting in Europe. I just want the four of them together in a room having dinner. So, you know, you care about that Tomei character so much, uh, as that may. So when she does die and gives that line, like you said, they really earn that. They, they, they earn their stripes there because we were so invested in these characters. So I think they handled that really well. Um, the other that, element well, of this movie I Marvel really enjoyed. Thing, right? that's Marvel gets a lot of shit for his stakes, right? Like, it's like, oh, you think <laughs> they killed off half the universe and they brought everybody back in the next, which is, that is a Marvel storyline. And I love it. I love Endgame and Infinity War. They're my favorite MCU movies, but they actually had somebody legit die, <laughs> like, yeah. like an important character. So yeah, it, 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 there was a lot of weight to it. Yeah. The other element of this movie that was was fantastic was Willem Dafoe. Now, look, Willem Dafoe obviously is one of the greatest actors, uh, especially character actors of our lives. I mean, he he is Hall of Fame character actor. He is so good, and the fact that he was de-aged, I couldn't. I mean, obviously, I know that. Defoe looked younger, but you couldn't really tell. It wasn't as clunky as the Irishman, which I love the Irishman, but it was clunky. Um, the, the, it was, and the performance though was amazing. He, I, I was, they, he's so good. 
he is. He's menacing. He's terrifying. I kind of wish there was a little more of him in this thing. That's like a big complaint some people have is that he didn't really interact with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man too much. Um, but he is so good in that role. He is alive, by the way, if you want to see him in future Spider-Man stuff. He's alive at the end of this movie. Um, so uh, maybe he comes back in one way. He seems to love it too, right? And I think that's the big thing is I think whenever you have these comic book, especially the MCU, like people can say what they want about Marvel movies and like, you know, sucking Hollywood dry, whatever, like all the money and taking it all for what it's worth. But Willem Dafoe loves playing this character and it's evident and it makes it enjoyable. And you can say the same thing about Alfred Molina as well, who actually also looked really good de-aged. Um, he was he, DH. He looked good too. He did. I thought um, Defoe, especially though, even more so yeah. than, than Molina. They just enjoy it so much, and it makes the characters that much better. Like there's just there's something to it because you can just tell, especially in big blockbusters, when a character doesn't buy into the role, how shitty it is. And that's the exact opposite. Everyone enjoyed doing this, and a, you could you could just see it how much Defoe likes playing that character, and it's just awesome because he, I mean. I mean, the, the man's a psycho in, like, The Lighthouse, for example. Like, he's just so good. So to see him in something like this again after so long, it, it was it was great. I think that goes to John Watts a little bit. Like, whatever, you know, like I said, I'm not a huge Marvel guy, but I really enjoy these Spider-Man movies. They're really fun. They're entertaining. Everyone is having a blast. You can tell from, you know, Homecoming, No Way Home. Like, honestly, the best villain in these three, you know, Defoe maybe is the exception, but it's Michael Keaton is so great as the vulture. That scene when, uh, and I know it's silly, maybe I should have saw it coming, but when Peter Parker opens the, the, when the door opens and he realizes that it's his girlfriend's father's the bad guy, that is great. I don't think you should have seen it coming because that is, again, if you want to go to criticisms of Marvel, it's like they don't often do unexpected things. And that was so unexpected. And that's why that movie is still my favorite out of the three. You know, this one might have, a, a more event and awesome feeling. Again, I'm, I'm fucking splitting hairs here, but I do think like the fans of nostalgia are laid on a little thick. I'm always like, I'm a massive, massive star Wars fan. Huge. My, the walls of my office and my apartment are lined with action figures and I've become a massive MCU fan. And I love, I love callbacks and Easter eggs and references, but when it gets in the way of the story, like I get a little, I, I, I pause a little bit and that is why, like, this one is a little lower than Homecoming. But Homecoming has one thing that I think the other two movies don't have that that makes it win out again just by a slight edge. And it is that it, that moment is huge. Like, it it slam dunks Keaton's character so much because he's so good as the Vulture. And then to have that moment, like, your heart sunk as an audience member, which doesn't happen often in Marvel movies. Like, so, like you're surprised. Like, I don't think you should have seen it coming at all. You're like, holy shit. Like, Keaton's the dad, and, and it just makes that character – so menacing and i wish he came back in this he is coming back in that morbius movie unfortunately yes I saw, so, um, so i've seen in many trailers uh yeah morbius has kind of been the thorn in my side on this show because morbius was forced of course supposed to come out at the end of january and when that got pushed the release schedule just went to shit so uh that completely upended a lot of my planning and my scheduling uh so yeah i'm yeah i'm both eagerly awaiting and terrified of seeing morbius on april 1st it looks, Let's looks do hard. an update on this. We do this on our show sometimes. It the releases for this. It was originally, um, so it had. It was supposed to be the actually, last weekend in so January. It, it had its world premiere finally. So congratulations to that. It was set for July 2020, July 31st, 2020. It moved to so <laughs> July 10th, July 31st, 2020. Delayed because of COVID to March 19th, 2021. Delayed to October 8th, 2021. Delayed to January 21st, 2022. Then to January 28th. Then delayed to now its current date in April. It's wild. And the thing with the, the last one, the one from January to April, was they, they were all set. I mean, you had posters up in movie theaters. You had trailers out. They even ran some ads. Um, and, and to pull that last minute like that, I said it really destroyed. It really hurt me personally. Have you, have you, you've gone to Cinemarks? Have you gone to Cinemarks? I have been to some Cinemarks, yeah. Have you noticed they have you seen the, the the trailer for the Morbius trailer that they play there where they they do it like on a little they're like imagine watching a movie on a little screen and they go wider with I like, haven't seen that no so so the cinema I'm home in Austin Texas and the cinema I go to here in Texas I've seen it now twice 
because I saw Spider-Man with my dad in, in December, and then I just saw um, the Batman here. The, at the beginning, they play this trailer for Morbius, but it's like it's like don't see it on your TV, which like it's not. It's going to th- like it's not going to be on TVs for months. Which like I I don't know I feel like when they made this they thought it may have to be pushed to streaming and then later on in the trailers they played the full trailer again so I've been getting I got two Morbius trailers I've been watching Morbius trailers for seventy four days now I feel like because you know you have it leading into January and now it's been since April I, I've seen that trailer so many times I could I think I could do it by by memory at this point um so Tom Holland um he he is so great as Spider Man. He is, I think he's the best Spider-Man ever. I'm, I'm, like, I'm going to say this. I think he might be the best superhero casting ever. We just said, we both just saw the Batman. Um, That's pretty, pretty, it's pretty heavy duty stuff. But like, but you know, Christian Bale is, was a great Batman. Christopher Reeve, an amazing Superman. Um, I think Tom Holland might be the best in, in that particular role. Pattinson is my favorite Batman now, by the way. I think you're, he is just, oh, he was so good. He was so good in that role. Um, that's I I okay I I will say two I think he is two behind Robert Downey Jr. as as Tony Stark um, and Iron Man that's a which is more like Tony Stark but like I just think he is he I mean he defines a generation basically but you are I mean Holland is so good and I like and now I love Garfield McGuire was good too but I don't know about you like and I I assume you agree with me because you think he's the best when I think Peter Barker I think teenage kid. Oh and yeah, he just like you're right, and he's great as well. But I think the key thing you said there too is casting. Like he was just such a good cast in this role. He's charismatic. He's funny. He plays emotional scenes very well. I think it, that ham was hammered home this movie as well. He is he is very good, and and that's that's it's a tough thing to carry this gauntlet now after you know Robert Downey Jr.'s character passes away. So to, to have it in his hands, it's a good thing. I, I think you're right. I, I would have him. I'd have him two behind Downey. But like, if you told me I had to change, I I, I wouldn't really combat you on that because Holland is that good. I'm, I'm look. I'm just speaking from a box office perspective. I, like I said, I'm not a huge Marvel guy, but I will say this: the two maybe the two most important casting choices in film history, from a financial perspective, you can make a case. It's Robert Downey Jr. and it's Tom Holland. And now maybe you could say Harrison Ford in, in, in Indiana Jones, but I just think for the sheer massive amount that Marvel has brought in and Robert Downey Jr. meaning so much to getting that jump started, those could be the two Downey, biggest casting choices ever. I, I think, I think Holland, you could say like maybe, you know, jury still out. Let's see how long he lasts, but I think that's a pretty good early take. I think Downey, that's not even arguable. I think he is whether, whether people like Marvel stuff or not, like the one of the the most pivotal, probably top three most pivotal castings of all time. I mean, just look at the billions that the MCU has made. And and if that had failed, you know, like if if they if they had done Tom Cruise a couple, you know, a few years prior, like they're supposed to for Iron Man, which apparently in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, they there could be a variant of Iron Man played by Tom Cruise. That is the rumor. I think that's too good to be true. I think because I think that would be unbelievable to see as like an Easter egg. Um, but yeah, like imagine that they messed that up. Like they, they wouldn't be here today. Not a chance. Not it, a chance. It, it, and Iron Man is like a legitimately like great movie. Like I give that an A minus. Oh. I think it's a fantastic movie. I'm not, a, like I said, not a Marvel. I know I said it nine times now, but it's it's true. But like, but when, you know, you got to give Marvel credit when they do it right. Like I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is a lousy movie. It's not for me. I think a lot of the stuff really? they do is, is I just don't like it. It's not, it's not really anything I get excited about or find interesting, but they nailed Iron Man. The Spider-Man movies are really fun. So, you know, as much as I knock Marvel on this show or on previous podcasts, I got to give them credit. They, they, they're great here. I, I'll give, I'll give you my top 10 too. I, so it goes Endgame and Infinity War are tied for one for me. I, it's basically one movie. Um, I think Infinity War has great action. It has funny moments. I think the fact that they made Infinity War work is stunning. Like, should they have been best directors of the year? No. They took – think about every bad comic book movie has the same thing, right? It's like too many characters, too many characters. This is the most characters of all time, and they made like an obje- – like, I'm sorry. Like I don't like using the word objective. Like objectively great comic book movie with all these people in it. I thought the web they weave is great. Endgame, crazy good emotion. And I, the fact they nailed that movie is stunning to me. So that's basically 1A, 1B. I have Guardians at a 92 tied with those three, but a, a, a two behind those. Iron Man is still top five for me. I have it at a 91. 
the original Avengers. I know people hate Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon does suck ass, but that's still up there. Like he did a great job with that movie. I love Thor Ragnarok. That's number six uh, six for me. Excited for Taika Waititi to do another Thor. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. I have next Russo Brothers again. I still love Black Panther. I have that um, at seven or what is that? That's eight. Um, I think it's a good movie. I think it kind of got hurt by like the Oscar hype. People are like, oh, it's not that great. But I think it's a really good movie. Um, and I think uh, Michael B. Jordan's one of the best villains. And then I have Homecoming and then Far From Home after that. Uh, it's right on my top ten. Followed by No Way Home. So that, that's my top ten. But so basically what you said, I agree. The Spider movies have have been great additions to this. Because there have been some stinkers in the MCU. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I guess if you make that many movies, it's going to happen. Um, so Tobey Maguire. So I, I kind of want to talk about that for a second. I mean, if we haven't seen him in so long. I was, I, I like Tobey Maguire a lot. I think he was a very good Spider-Man. I really enjoyed him as an actor, especially in the late 90s before he got into the Spider-Man role, which kind of in some ways derailed his career to some extent. Um, and he doesn't really, he's just a producer now. Although I think he's acting in another movie at the... The Damien Chazelle movie coming out later this year. So yeah, uh, the 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 Babylon Babylon. No, yeah, no, what's, it, what's it called? It's I think it's called Babylon. Is that what it is? Yeah, Babylon, Babylon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's with uh, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. So that that will be that will be interesting. Um, but I guess my question for you is what? Let's say Leonardo DiCaprio is never born because famously. Uh, Tobey Maguire and DiCaprio, that's how they met. They were auditioning for the same roles over and over and over again. And you got to wonder, would Maguire have gotten Titanic? And if that was the case, then is what does his career look like? And I, I think Leo, Leo auditioned for Spider-Man 2 and Leo almost played Anakin Skywalker. I don't know. I don't know because I think it's so cool. I think it's so advice based for why Leo is where he is. Um, that's a tough question. I don't know. Like, I, I, I think I don't think he would have had the same career. I just don't know if he has the same excitement, uh, same energy on screen that DiCaprio does. I mean, DiCaprio is is like watching a movie star. I never really felt that with McGuire. Um, I guess maybe yeah, the I'd better comp for McGuire might be Gyllenhaal. Um, but yeah, I I I don't think he does. I mean, I mean. I, I think if he's never Spider-Man, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm, that's a great hypothetical. I'm glad he's acting again though. Like I'm like, he, he had, he had a charm in this movie that I didn't expect. Not that he's a bad actor, but there was just this, like, there was a way for, again, there's, there are many ways for this movie to be horrible. Like, I want to say that too. This was, this was an achievement. Like this could have been really, by the way, my favorite Marvel movie of all time is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the animated Spider-Man movie, which if that had not worked, this may not have happened. Like that happening and being an Academy Award winner, won best animated picture, and it should have been nominated for best picture. It, like it allowed this movie to work. So like, oh, multiverse stuff can work. Cause I mean, multi, it, multiverse stuff, like you I always use the word again, silly. It's silly shit. Like it's really ridiculous, but it, it, it worked. So like my, my concern here was like, how is Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man going to come off? Is it going to be too weird? Like what age is he going to, and he came off as this like mature kind of like wise version of Peter Parker, right? Like he's learned so much more than Andrew Garfield. Garfield's Peter Parker. And I think it worked perfectly. He had that nice, like kind of tender moment with Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. He's like, no, he goes, don't give up on yourself. Like, don't give up on love. Don't give up on finding somebody worked out for me. You just got to find it. And I, he played it so perfectly, which again, I, I shouldn't have doubted that. Like he's not a bad actor. He's a good actor. He's haven't acted in a bunch of stuff lately. Um, so I, I thought that was a, another one of the key elements because had that not worked either, either of those other two Spider-Man had they come in and you're like, what the fuck? It would have been a terrible movie. No, I mean, you're exactly right about Maguire being different. He's older. Uh, we know. Think about Maguire's career from, we you know, Side of House Rules, Pleasantville, Seabiscuit, the Spider-Man movies. He's getting by on a boyish charm. Well, he doesn't have that anymore. He's 46. Like, that's gone. So, but he's able to pivot and be wiser, quieter, much more low-key than we typically see him. He's not as antsy as we've seen him. He's more settled. He's more comfortable in his own skin. And it, it was a delight to watch. I, I'm, I really hope, I'm excited to see what, like, the next chapter of Tobey Maguire's career is. I hope he does continue to act after Babylon uh, and obviously after this movie. I hope he does more stuff because I like this this older Maguire. I think he's, I mean, I think he's a genuinely like really good actor. Yeah, no, I, I think he has the chops. I think he may have caught some like 
guff because it's it's anyone in in roles that are so recognizable as like you know whether it's the han solos of the world or the tony starks like you're just gonna always be that person like and and i i think that's a tough thing to shake i think it was a tough thing for him to shake i think spider-man 3 wasn't you know great he's also a guy with like a pretty tough reputation in hollywood like he had a whole asshole character modeled after him in molly's game like he just so like he's a kind of a wacky career but uh, clearly there there there's Again, revival's the wrong word because he's been like a pretty successful producer. But like he, it, it's a little bit of a revival. It is certainly from Nas Green perspective. Uh, now you mentioned you saw Spider Man in a giant theater, a thousand people. It, 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 did you see it at the IMAX at uh, Upper Upper West Side? Yep, Lincoln Center. That's yeah. my home. When I'm in when I'm in New York, I go to that IMAX, which is it was remodeled a couple of years ago. Very nice seats, and it is the biggest commercial or biggest theater chain IMAX in the country. Um, it's incredible. I, I lived in New York from 12 to 16. That's where I, I saw the Nolan Batmans there. I saw the, one of the Mission Impossible movies there. It is like life changing. It, it, it like it, you walk out of there and you're like your soul is shaking. It's an unbelievable experience. I saw Dune four times or not. Dune is my top movie of the year for me. I'm, I'm I've become a Dune just junkie. I love Dune, but. I saw it four times there, and people are like, "Like, why? Why did you see it?" I was like, "When you experience." an IMAX that big and you see a movie shot for IMAX and you're a movie buff. There's just like, if you're in New York and you're not there for like with family and like, do if you're just there for like a few days and you, and you're not going out and not going out to bar, like and you have like a moment, like go see a, like a real, like a movie shot for IMAX. Like if there's an event movie, go to that screen uh, Lincoln center. I, it is so big it sounds incredible, and it it just it's mind blowing. The way I saw it, seen seen all the Nolan movies there. At least since I've been going to New York, I saw Rises there. I think I I know I saw um, Dunkirk, Interstellar. Um, I saw Dune there. All the recent Marvel movies, the the, the all the Star Wars movies that came out. It just it, you're it it's it blows you away. It's great. It's I mean, crazy. Nolan uses the IMAX cameras and he shoots it for IMAX and it makes an incredible difference that that theater is the best theater experience uh, of my life. Uh, I've now I haven't been to one better. It's, it's, it's the absolute best. One of the, one of the I few saw, things I miss about New York is that theater. I saw Avengers Endgame there and it was, it was, it was like being at a sporting event. It was the most, it was cool. And like, I guess some people hate that, but there's just some movies where that's okay. Like that, like I'm okay with people getting out of their seats and going crazy. Like it, it was just, it was surreal seeing an event movie that wrapped up 20 years of, not 20 years of movies, sorry, 20 movies or whatever it was 10 years of movie. It, it was just, it, it was unreal. I mean, actually, you said Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible Fallout I saw in that theater too, and people acted like it was an event as well. Every little twist, every time they ripped someone's face off, they people were going crazy. So it is. Yeah, it's there's no better theater. Like I, I come back home here, I'm in Austin now, and like I saw the Batman on just like a regular like recliner theater, and I was like, it this this stinks. Like <laughs> this stinks in comparison. You're missing that atmosphere. Uh, so the Batman. So this is what I've been asking a few people. I had Jeff Bach on a couple episodes ago, uh, and just talking box office. And I'm fascinated with how long Batman will be number one for. So obviously, it'll be number one this weekend. There's like there's four movies coming out, but nothing is huge. I think Outfit is getting the most theaters, and that's not that's not going to crack ten million. But next week is The Lost City, and that's intriguing to me. It has Sandra Bullock. We have Brad Pitt, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe. Batman will be in its fourth week in release. What do you think will be number one that week? I think Batman still takes it. I I think the first thing that's going to take it is going to be Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which is April 8th. So, and no, it, Morbius will take it on April 1st. You think? I think yeah, it it, fifth week in release, absolutely. I think it might not. And I only think that. I only think that because it's just got such a stench to it. I I. I, I think the, it might I have a bad week too. For sh- it will not make it past Sonic for sure. No, Sonic. Oh, right. I, oh, I completely agree with that. I think Sonic will open number one as well. But I think Morbius week one, that first week, you're going to have people jonesing for something. And, you know, Michael Keaton's in it. There's enough Spider Man yeah. ties to it. I just, I wouldn't be shocked if you're talking on the pot and you, and you say that it didn't beat it. Like, I wouldn't be stunned. I, I, I wouldn't be stunned only because of just the stigma that is with that movie. And I just remember like, 
You know, it's a good example, and I actually don't know. I don't have it on me, so I, I guess I'm referencing something I could be making up. But but Dark Phoenix, the X Men movie, yes, that had a similar thing, and it just had such a bad stigma to it. But you're right, the Keaton thing, the Spider Man ties, like they that the thing is, people keep saying like, oh, what if they reshot an Andrew Garfield? That was the rumor, like Andrew Garfield might be in it. I think they would have said Andrew Garfield's in it by now because they just want to make sure the movie's success. I, I don't know. I'd be kind of shocked. I, yeah, nothing yeah, I completely next, agree. Sony would have leaked that. Week, nothing this week will take it. Deep no. Water, that's the Ana de Arm, but that's on Hulu. That's on Hulu. Deep, yeah. No, the, the movie's the coming movie. out are like Umma, which is a Sandra O'Hara movie. Uh, X looks interesting. I'm excited to see it, but that's not going to open well. I uh, know X is not going to do well at all because it's just a wacky A24 movie. I'm very excited for X. I thought X, the trailer was really awesome. The trailer is great. I mean, A24 it puts out all of this entertaining stuff. Just no one goes and sees it. I mean, that's that's the problem. But right. And then they have the because then they have a Michelle Yeoh movie the week after the Everything Everywhere All at Once, which looks awesome. Which looks, that looks so interesting. Um, she's so great. I'm really excited for that one as well. But that listen, that's not gonna, if that cracks five million and opens, I'll be shocked. Um, yeah, no, I I, I agree. Because yeah, April, the, the the well, what's the movie that you're most excited for in April? Because I have mine. Well, the Nick Cage movie looks wild. That's it. Yeah. Un- unbearable way to massive talent. That is the one I'm, I'm most excited for, hands down. I'm I'm really curious to see how that does. That might actually do pretty well. Audiences are really coming back. I've said in the show a few times, like the audiences in March and February are much different than the audiences I saw in January when I was going. Like I, I would be the only one in theaters half the time. That never happens anymore now. Like people are coming back. Oh, people because people aren't taking it for granted now. They're 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 not. And 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 I also think too, you know, there's there's an interesting thing that that happens with Netflix movies. The term Netflix movie is not a good term. Um, and it's funny because there is a difference between Netflix. There's a difference between Tall Girl 2 and what was the other movie they dropped on Netflix recently? Shit, what was it? I Honestly, it takes a lot for me to watch a Netflix movie because it has such a bad stigma to me too. It feels like a made-for-TV movie like when we were growing up. Like this, It doesn't is- feel as much of an event or as important. This is where you can use movierankings.net. I'm going to go 2021, 2022 for a year, and then I'm going to go uh, universe. I'm going to go Netflix original, and I'll tell you which one it was because there was people talking about it, and I I noticed something. There was like a, a way people were discussing it, and it wasn't actually a Netflix movie. Hold on. Where is it? Let me pull it up. Netflix original. What was it? Man, I don't know what movie it was. Point being, it was a movie that is not actually a Netflix movie. It's a it's a movie that Netflix acquired. I and released on Netflix and and I someone was like, "Well, it's it's a crappy Netflix. Like, what do you expect from a Netflix movie?" But like it isn't a Netflix movie. It's a movie they acquired. There's a huge difference between again, Tall Girl 2 or To All the Boys I Loved Before 5, 6, 7 and 8 or all those other like the Thunder Force with Melissa McCarthy, right? Those are their movies where like there are some like it's like the Romas of the world or the power of the dog, right? Like those are not Netflix, but I've noticed that people are lumping them in and that's kind of, oh, you know what it was? It was Don't Look Up. Oh, okay. Yeah, Don't Look Up. Of course. So I saw people say about that. They're like, well, it's a Netflix movie. What do you, it's, it's not like no. that is a movie that was optioned to Netflix from Adam McCain company. So I, I've, I've found that interesting. And I think that is, is driving people like, oh, Netflix, like I got to go see movies in theaters like that. That's the good stuff's in theaters still, which is, which is interesting. I don't think it's going to change the model. I think you're still going to see the Romas and the power of the dogs still go on there. But, but I, I don't, I just don't think you're going to see certain movies really fuck with streaming at least for a while. I, I think, I think theaters survived somehow. They they survive. I think COVID. I actually, I, I my my weird take on this that I have no inside industry info or anything like that. But I think the pandemic f- for movie theaters went the right length to keep them alive. Like I think had they been sh- had the pandemic been shorter, it's a this is a weird thing to say. I had it been shorter, I actually think it would have hurt movie theaters more because I think people got so tired of watching shit at home that people were like, I'm not gonna take it for granted anymore. Like that, I like of all the horrible things that happened in the pandemic, like that, that was something for the movie theaters. I ended up thinking it actually went, it went long. It went the perfect length for movie theater. Like it, 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 it was at one point it was just too long. It was killing theaters and it went overly long 
and it like had the reverse effect. I don't know. I think no, I think you're, I think you're absolutely honest on me. I mean, the travel and tourism industry, I think, is waiting for a big boom for the same reason. People have been home. And we, we have historical precedent. Like, look at the Spanish flu in 1918. People being trapped at home led to the roaring 20s. That led to people being out and about and being wild. Right. Like, people, I, I think people, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this, me and you probably feel like, we just want to do regular shit again. Everyone does. Everyone's so tired of being locked up for two. We've been locked up for two years now and people have had enough. People do want to do things like their normal thing. like go to the movies again. I think the April releases are exciting. And then there are some pretty big movies coming out this summer. That's going to be the real litmus test. Are our movie theaters, like you said, are they back and are they back stronger than they were even pre pandemic? Right. Cause I thought that was weird. I think it's a good point you bring up. Cause it's like you have the roaring twenties as a great example. And people joke like, Oh, the new roaring twenties after the pandemic, but movie theaters like didn't get that, didn't get lumped into that for a while. Right. Remember? Cause like, they were like, Oh, movies are dead now. Like people talk about, Oh, restaurants and bars are going to be crazy whenever we're out of this, but they kept like leaving movie theaters for dead. And it was like, it was odd to me. I'm like, I feel like that's also going to be a thing that resurges. And maybe that was wishful thinking at the time. Cause I'm a popcorn guy. I'm a, I'm a popcorn and a large soda guy. Like I, I will never choose to see a big event movie at home over going to the theater if given the option. So like for me, it was never not, maybe it was wishful thinking, but I always found that weird. Like you do, like I, I was like, why are we not lumping this in with bars and restaurants? Like, I, I think it's going to be the same thing, which I think you're right. Like, I think we're seeing that's the kid. That is the kid. Look at Spider-Man did during a pen. Like, during COVID, basically, it's crazy. It is wild, and then look what the Batman's doing now. It, it proves that if there's a, if you give the studios give audiences a reason to come out, they will come out, and they have, and they have now for two straight event movies. Like I said, December will, will tell us some things. April's it dog even like, uh, you know, dogs a smaller movie, Channing Tatum and a dog, and that's done fifty million dollars. Like people are people are coming out even for the non event movies. Good point. It's such a good point. Um, Jeff, thanks so much for, for joining me. Um, like I said, check out. Lights, I'll, I'll give you Barstool. one theater nugget. I'll give you yeah. one theater nugget before I go. Cause I, I, I feel like we gotta, we gotta, I gotta give this, I do a weird thing in theaters. I gotta share. So I, I am a, I'm not, I'm a little OCD. I, I'm kind of like a germaphobe about like weird certain things. Seat crevices just gross me out. Like make my skin crawl. Like give me just crippling anxiety. I hate recliner seats hate them i hate them i think they're just i think they're disgusting they're gross and one of uh, my co-workers at barstool robbie fox used to work in a theater that had recliner seats and he said if you want to see the grossest thing oh, in the world go in those, those seats why are you telling me these things <laughs> i know it's even harder I, I stuff napkins in the crevices i i stuff them in the crevices i can't like my coat can't touch it. I squirm. So, like, I'll go to movie people who've never been to me before. Like, what are you doing? And I'm just, like, stuffing napkins in the crevices of these seats. And then I don't recline. I just sit there. I, I hate them. And people are like, no, how do you like the old cloths? Like, like the old – I prefer them. I give me, give me the gaps in between the seats. I, I want to know that if somebody dropped their gross food that was in their mouth or some shit, it just fell onto the floor. I don't want to know that I'm sitting in it. So that's – that that's my weird like movie seat move because I'm like a, I'm a I'm a traditional popcorn large soda guy so I don't like mess like it, it just mess like freaks me out like say oh I, I don't like it so uh, I will say like I've noticed like an uptick just the audience is rising obviously like in January the theaters were pristine like because oh, no yeah. one was there so like it was the cleanest I've ever seen anything I felt like I was in uh, the Guggenheim but then uh, <laughs> yeah. since March yeah. it's completely you know I'm starting to see a mess again I'm like oh I don't, I don't miss that part. <laughs> that's why I, I just oh it, well the the, the the that's the other thing too about that lincoln center theater the only stadium seating in that theater is the imax everything else is the traditional flat and honestly i kind of love it it feels it it's such like that you got to be like kind of like a movie nerd to appreciate that because like stadium seating is obviously better because nobody's in your way but like there's just something so like i just i cherish the fact that i go to a like a very old traditional theater still. Like it's kind of a cool experience. I'm sure you have, you've been to the film forum, right? In the village. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they, that is like, it's so flat. Like if you sit in the back row, you're so fucked because there's no incline at all. Like it's just on all, like you have like 300 seats all on like one level. So you got, you have to sit up front or else you won't be able to see anything. That, that's, that's a thing that like new generations just don't get. Like that's like one of those funny little like jokes from like TVs and movies, right. Of like the person sitting in front of you and like, they have the big hat and like, you can't see right, like, right. like that's like, I, I still get that. Like, I still be like, Oh, this guy's so fucking tall. Like what the hell? The Marge Simpson haircut. And you're like, I can't yeah, yeah see. right. Right. Yeah.
Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, I said lights, camera, bar stool. Go to movierankings.net. I go there almost daily to see just the streaming element. Plus, you can see Jeff's reviews, but uh, it's so helpful to know like where, where things are playing. It's, it's a very, very helpful uh, You can asset. filter and sort by ev every subgenre. There's no website in the world you can sort so precisely to find a movie. So I thank you. I appreciate that plug. Uh, check that out. And Jeff, have a great day. I'm going to go see Jackass tonight. So. Oh, it's it's honestly, it's just unless you, if you like that type of I humor, do. it is I awesome. Do. It's very enjoyable. I'm, I'm very looking cool. forward to that. All right, Jeff, thanks. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Still March, which means is of course still budget month. I've now spent so far two thousand six hundred and twenty-seven dollars on this endeavor, which means I've spent thirty-six dollars and forty-nine cents a day. If you work that out over the course of a year, it would equal thirteen thousand three hundred and seventeen dollars. I had a little hiccup uh, when on Sunday I went to go see Tyson's Run, which is the hideously terrible movie I'll talk about in a second. Uh, but I went to go see that and I want to see it at the AMC in Danvers. But as I talked about in the last episode, they had the fire alarm go off. Now I have the AMC Stubbs, the A-list. So that means it would have been a free ticket had the Danvers AMC not had a bizarre fire alarm incident. So I ended up having to go to the Majestic 7 in Watertown. It was the only other theater within a 50-mile radius that was playing this movie. And that ticket cost me 15 bucks. So um, so that was bad news. But the good news is, like I said, the, the budget, though, is heading in the right direction. Hopefully get it down to that $12,000 range soon. But look, going to see a movie every day is a tough task, both logistically and financially. Luckily, with the help of Tom Treshock from CNA Financial Group, you can reduce your worry about the financial planning portion. Tom's approach helps show your big financial picture and finds ways to build income and protect wealth, all while maintaining your current way of life. To schedule a meeting with Tom to find out more, give him a call at 732-403-7747. Once again, that's 732-403-7747 to book your meeting. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, CNA Financial Group is not an affiliate or a subsidiary of PAS. Give Tom a call today. He's a very friendly guy, and he'd love to answer any financial questions you may have. Okay, I'm going to get into Tyson's run in a second. This movie is the worst movie. Before I do that, I want to talk about how great KL Jack is. I don't want KL Jack to have any association with the terrible, terrible film Tyson's run. So, Let's talk about KL Jack first. Are you sick of skyrocketing prices and vendors never having anything on the shelf? For 40 years, KL Jack has been the premier industrial supplier in Northern New England. They are a proud family-owned company headquartered in Portland, Maine. They proudly distribute quality brands such as Lennox, 3M, DeWalt, and strong, durable, American-made Viking brand drill bits and cutting tools. Head over to kljack.com right now and use promo code TIM10, that's TIM10, to get 10% off your first online order. KL Jack has the quality fasteners, abrasives, safety products, cutting tools, and chemicals you need to keep costs down and keep rolling. KL Jack has locations throughout Maine and New Hampshire, but shipping nationwide daily. You order it, they pick it, they pack it and they ship it. If you are an electrician, plumber, or work in HVAC, this is a no-brainer. If you have any industrial supply questions at all, reach out to Tim Riggles at on Twitter. That's at Tim Riggles, at T-I-M-R-I-D-G-O-L-D-S. Or head over to KL Jack. Place your order today. Use promo code TIM10, TIM10, for 10% off your first online order. KL Jack, great company. Tyson's Run. Horrible movie. Okay, I'm going to go into spoilers here with this total disaster. So if you're interested in seeing Tyson's run and don't want to hear what happens, I guess uh, I'll talk to you folks on, on Saturday. That's uh, when the next episode is going to come out. But for the, those of you that, uh, that are, don't want to see this movie, and I, I can't blame you, I can't imagine anyone has seen it. Uh, let's talk about kind of the reasons why Tyson's run is so amazingly bad. So this is the worst movie I've seen so far on this endeavor. Uh, it's worse than The Tiger Rising, which was the uh, the worst movie I'd seen up, up until this point. It's a movie about an autistic boy. He's 15, and he wants to run a marathon. Um, it stars Amy Smart, uh, who you might remember from Road Trip. Uh, she's 
been in a number of movies. Uh, I think she was in Crank with Jason Statham. She's had a, a good career in the late 90s, early 2000s. And she's not a bad actress, and she's not bad in this. I mean, the script is so horrible. She's not the reason this is so bad. In fact, like Amy Smart, just really surprised she never got like an NBC sitcom or a, a role on like a CBS drama. She, I think, would be a very good TV actress. Um, it is sad, though, like, you know... <laughs> You see like Mira Sorvito in that movie, Butter, I talked about a couple weeks ago. She plays the mom in basically like an after-school special. Here we have Amy Smart playing the mom in basically an after-school special. You know, these are actresses in the 90s and early 2000s. And, you know, they are relegated to playing the mom. Uh, and you don't see that with, this, with actors of their caliber back then in these same thankless roles. It, it does speak to some of the points women make about aging in Hollywood and how unfair it is. Okay. I could talk for hours about how much I hate Tyson's run. If I had a Patreon for this podcast, I would have like an hour and a half episode on Patreon about how terrible Tyson's run is and go into amazing detail. Uh, I'm borderline obsessed with this movie. I think at this point, but I will try to keep this as, as tight as possible for you guys. Um, considering that I'm sure most of you haven't seen the film. Uh, so here are the top five most ridiculous things that happen in Tyson's run. I think it's probably the best way to do it. Please keep in mind, the very first title card you see in this movie is, it says, inspired by a real child, which kind of leads you to believe this is based on a true story. It most certainly is not, uh, which you'll understand once I get through this list that it actually is not even possible that it could be based on a true story. Another element too is the character Tyson is a 15-year-old autistic boy. This movie doesn't deal with this concept very sensitively at all. Um, Major Dodson is the actor that's playing Tyson. He plays him like something you'd see out of like an early 80s sitcom. Uh, Major Dodson's not autistic and he it's very cliched. There's no nuance. This feels like something from another time. Um, it's, it's a bizarre performance. I can't blame him entirely. This was written and directed by Kim Bass. Uh, Kim Bass is the creator of this show, Keenan and Kel on Nickelodeon. That was a show that was a pretty well-regarded show. It started Keenan Thompson's career. But Kim Bass was only producer for the very first episode. He always remained the creator, obviously. He, it was his idea, apparently. But they took him off creative duties in that show pretty quick. And a movie like this, you can understand why. Okay. Here are the top five most ridiculous things about a movie that uh, is absolutely horrible. Number five, uh, with this race, uh, as far as this race is concerned, the mayor of the town hates disabled people. So at one point, um, the mayor, meanwhile, we don't even meet the mayor until the end of the second act, and he's the villain of this movie. He calls in Tyson's father, who's a football coach uh, in town, and um, basically demands that Tyson does not run in this marathon. It's the very first marathon this town has had. Uh, the mayor's kind of made it his baby. And, you know, you would think the mayor would be excited to have a really great human interest story of this local 15-year-old boy that has autism that wants to run in your race. That sounds like a great story. I can't imagine any mayor would do anything but try to embrace a great story like that. But instead, the mayor tells the football coach that uh, he does not want Tyson to run. The dad disagrees, obviously, and says Tyson will run in the race. And in fact, the football coach's dad threatens the mayor at one point and says that he himself will run for mayor. Okay, number four. Uh, so I mentioned that football coach dad. He's played by Rory Cochran. You might remember Rory Cochran from Dazed and Confused. Uh, he's good in that movie. Not very good here. He, this is a completely checked out performance, totally mailing it in. Um, he's playing a character that's very stoic, but there's a number of opportunities at the end of the movie where he should be showing quite a bit of emotion and he's completely checked out. He's still just as stoic and as, as wooden as he was when the movie began. Look, the script is obviously terrible, but he's doing it no favors. But the bizarre thing is he's supposed to be this great football coach, almost like a high school version of Joe Paterno, the way he talks and the way people talk about him. Meanwhile, his office is this dumpy closet, like a terrible office. Meanwhile, this man has claimed to have won multiple titles, state titles, and they're in Georgia. So like Georgia football, high school football is a pretty big deal. To win multiple state titles, you would be a pretty huge figure in your town. Meanwhile, the, uh, they show a couple of uh, the games and there might be 25 people in the stands. No one's there. Uh, it's, it's bizarre. It's obviously just cheap, lazy filmmaking. But when you make the stakes that high, you have to then pay them off. Uh, also, Rory Cochran, his, this character is supposed to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. Luckily, uh, Tyson's run dialed it back. They didn't, they didn't have him win the Heisman. He was just simply a finalist. 
Okay, number three. At one point in the movie, in the middle of the night, Tyson runs away. He runs into a like a wooded area. They call it a gorge. It's, it's a it's a wooded area. Uh, he has um, it's pouring rain out, and his father and the police department go and look for him. Meanwhile, the police department gets bitten by a rattlesnake, and then the police department evacuates the area, claiming that it's too dangerous for them to look for Tyson anymore because there could be quote rattlesnakes everywhere. The father eventually finds Tyson. Um, Tyson, meanwhile narrowly during this entire night narrowly avoided a lightning strike that hits a tree paying his foot to the ground uh the father tries to save him but he's not strong enough to pick up the tree which leads to my number two most bizarre moment who saves the day but barkhad abdi uh you might remember barkhad abdi from captain phillips he's the i am the captain now guy uh maybe the only person in hollywood who's who's skinnier than i am he rushes in and is able to pull this giant tree branch off of Tyson's foot. Meanwhile, the father, who is a Heisman Trophy finalist, couldn't do it. But Barkhad Abdi is able to rip this tree away and save Tyson and his father. Completely strange, strange thing that Barkhad Abdi is an action star. But the strangest thing in this movie, so he's running the marathon at the end of the movie. We've seen him train for this marathon. Um, Tyson runs at a decent enough clip, I guess. Like, you know, that's enough of a movie right there. This boy who wants to be a runner. He wants to run a marathon. That That's enough. And if he runs the marathon and finishes it, that's pretty good. Like, that's a that's a, quite an accomplishment. Um, but no, this movie has to go nine steps beyond. And he's running the marathon. Meanwhile, it's this supposedly this nationally acclaimed marathon. There's maybe six people watching it. There's no spectators. They keep cutting away to it. What appears to be a local television broadcast the marathon where they have two broadcasters kind of giving a play-by-play of it and near the end of the race one of the play-by-play people say all right well tyson's doing a great job but for him to win he'd have to run the last two miles of the marathon he'd have to run sub four minute miles the one announcer goes well you never know and the other announcer goes no no that's impossible it's impossible to run sub four minute miles for your last two miles of a marathon much less a 15-year-old autistic boy has never run a race before, but any human being to do that, it's it's impossible. So what does Tyson do? Of course, he does that and he wins the race. It's just bizarre, intellectually vacant movie. Um, there's nothing here. Uh, there's so many things on my list here that I, I want to cover and talk more about how horrible this film is, but I, I, just, I just don't have the time on a movie that no one's going to see. But if anyone does see this movie and wants to talk about Tyson's run with me, I, am, I would gladly have that discussion. We'll change up the schedule. Uh, no episode on Friday, but you will be getting episodes on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and of course, you can follow me on Instagram at a theater. I post the different theaters I go to every single day there. I'm also on Twitter at a theater near me, uh, the at symbol. Uh, and you can uh, follow me there as well. I will talk to you folks on Saturday when I discuss Jackass Forever. Jackass <laughs> Forever.